It's talking to people, figuring out what resonates, knowing your customers. Um, and then of course, analyzing. And then that final step is optimizing. So you're constantly testing. I think you can't be successful. Like we can be as creative as we want. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Fisher Campbell. Today, I'm excited, super excited to talk to Brooke Malia about scaling ABM strategy with a foundation in science. Brooke, you recently joined Matterport as an ABM director, and you're bringing 15 years of experience in marketing strategy and event planning. Brooke is a driven digital marketer that really thrives by merging her data-centered left brain with her creative, obsessed right brain and has traded in traditional science experiments for product roadmaps and brand strategy campaigns. Her research these days really involves testing channels and optimizing funnels to nurture relationships that that truly strengthen brand values there at Matterport. So a little intro. I'm super excited to talk to you today, Brooke. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. I'm excited as well. Awesome. I think, you know, one of the first things that should be discussed here, and we talked about it previously, is marketing isn't necessarily the first choice for everyone. So you may have started off in another field, which you did, and eventually just made a career out of marketing. And this happens pretty much more often than you would expect. But can you share a bit about your background with us and how you were ultimately able to, to make that switch? Yeah, I think from a distance it seems kind of like a wild departure. Like how do you go from a science degree? I actually majored in biology. From an efficiency perspective is how I landed on that. I wanted to be originally planned on going to dental school. So naturally had to take all those chemistry classes and and science background. Um, But once I realized I wasn't gonna scare at people's mouth all day, it wasn't a great fit for me. I was a little bit worried. Like what am I gonna do now with the degree? And my technical degree is Evolution Ecology of Organismal Biology or EEOB. Especially as a marketer, we love our acronym. So EEOB, that's my degree. (laughs) Um, But I like talking to people. I don't know if you could tell. I like talking to people far too much to hang out in a lab all day. So I was thinking, you know, what in the world am I gonna do with this kind of degree? Luckily for me, my first role was a division of the American Chemical Society. So, you know, you can see that pure line parallel. Um, They were looking for somebody not only who understood chemistry, but also had the communication skills for sales and marketing. And so it was a perfect fit. Very organically landed there. That's what I like to say. Pun intended. (laughs) I was about about to say that is punny. That's very punny. I love it. So you've been... Recently, you've been in ABM for maybe half a year to a year. And and in your previous role at Thought Industries to Matterport, like what drove the ABM approach? What got you to that point? Tell me a little bit more there. Yeah, I would say technically, like I've had the title account-based marketer for that amount of time. But in reality, um, like I always call it just modern marketing, truly, because I think you know, like that methodology or thinking through, you know, my previous roles in demand gen or field marketing found success in the account-based approaches as well. 
I think that's just kind of a result. The buyer's journey is everywhere now, right? Like you don't know. It's, it's hard to pinpoint exactly how they come into your ecosystem. So as much as we love to be data driven and, and kind of know all of those, you know, exactly, you know, marketing attribution be a buzzword, but, you know, it's, it's kind of critical to know that the high budget you're spending is driving revenue and results, but it's difficult to track that nowadays. So whether they heard it from a colleague, you know, potentially like somebody could be listening to this podcast, heard of, heard of Matterport, we're never going to be able to track that. Um, or they could have even been on a plane ride. They could be sitting next to them on their way home from a conference and men- mention about the company. So it's really kind of hard to track that attribution. But even like, so the events and all that good stuff, I've always been drawn to that idea that however they find you needs to be a clear, concise, cohesive message. And I think part of that message needs to address the individual's pain point, you know, part of having started my career in sales. I remember those days where you thought you were getting to the finish line, you threw the contract, and then that person signing the contract is like, hold up, I've never heard of this company before. So the account-based approach is just making sure that entire potential buying committee understands who you are. And it's, you really do have to talk uniquely to whether you're talking to an end user or the value of that person making that sign whose signature is going to be on that contract is looking, you know, maybe executive financial person, the CFO enterprise, you are looking at those high level execs and how you can explain that you have to talk so uniquely to each of them. And yeah, I think that that was the case. Like I said, that, that methodology of looking at not just selling to one person and getting that person on the call or come to your event or, get that email, you really have to put the umbrella over that entire buying committee. 100% relevant messaging at a relevant time, right? Absolutely. And I- Really now, people have like shorter attention spans than ever, right? <laughs> I think seven seconds is like the norm, right? It might be like three now. I'm not even joking. I think I've heard, <laughs> I think I've heard it's gone down in the last two years since COVID even. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. From a- yep. You brought up successes in your previous campaigns and ABM strategies. Maybe could you tactically give us an idea of, and the listeners an idea of what steps you took to create those successes or drive those results? Sure. I would say, I guess our goal in ABM campaigns in general is to kind of act as a quarterback, right? To ensure that our entire team is marching. So if you think of, you know, during that buyer's journey, we want to be marching, moving down the field together versus like that last minute Hail Mary, those happen. You know, we'll never, somebody calls your company and wants to buy, that's great too. But I think our process, like I said, especially in in longer term sales cycles, you know, depending on the dollar amount, I've been in companies that we know it's going to take 18 months my current role is a little bit shorter than that, so it's nice, but it's kind of just knowing who's engaged, looking, you know, whether it's a healthy, we, we kind of look at the account and and you might, as a salesperson, think, hey, this is sounding really great. We know the budget's on time. You know, you do that discovery call and know where those folks are, but some of our campaigns are, are potentially reaching out to those folks that may not be as understanding and it's come from a timing approach as well, right? So we don't want to perfectly fine to talk to all those folks, but it's just going to delay the process when we get to the end. And then we start all over go back to, you know, if we go back to that quarterback analogy, like you don't want to be on the like first and goal and then head back and start in the 10 opposite 10 yard line again and start the whole, you know, March, we're getting tired, we're getting exhausted. So it's, I use all the channels. We start kind of with, you know, direct mail, things that are going to drive people 
a CFO might not likely want to sign up and learn about your software product, but it's important to no. them. They're going to see unique value for different reasons, right? The ROI. So to, to be able to draw those people into the process, you have to get creative nowadays. So whether that's like a fun direct mail or a cool event, I, I swear, like we just said, that limited attention span, you've, you've got to get really creative these days. Like, you know, years ago, email would do, or, you know, we, we just have to get unique and stand out and not in like weird, crazy ways, but in, in fun, I guess it all comes down to, we really want to make them aware of the value and the, and how we're going to solve their pain points. Yeah. Swarming the entire buying committee, right. That's yeah, involved in that. Skill I love it. I love it. Talking about your experience, ABM's pretty differently defined. It's kind of almost a buzzword, but it's pretty differently defined marketer to yeah. marketer in the company. In what way has, your science background influenced that? And what does your current approach look like at Matterport, I should say? Yeah. So I mentioned it earlier. I know you're early. I know you're early in the role. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe early. Right. So clearly my first job, like I said, was an obvious connection. So running marketing mm-hmm. in the chemistry company. Um, but I do still utilize that scientific method every day to the sense, like you mentioned, trading in those, the lab equipment for people, if you will. But the key now is so important is that personalization to folks. And, and, and years ago, you could drop in, a, use a first name in an email, hi, Fisher. And you're like, oh, this person knows it's me. You know, and then you could come to people's websites and they would know it was you. But now it's giving them a, a true personalized experience where we can say, you know, we had a conversation earlier and you know, shared where you are in your life uh, with your, your family potentially growing soon. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, something that we could use in that would be true. Pers- I know who you are. I find out about you before I reach out. And, mm-hmm. you know, our conversation can start by saying, I know your family is expanding. Here's a, some baby gifts and that type of personalization. It's so much more than just like dropping your name on a website or dropping. I mean, even when we could add your company's logo to our website a few years ago, that was almost impactful enough to get your attention. And nowadays it's like, I really need to know you and where you are and how I can help bring value to, to you. But part of that, so that scientific experience, if you will, is like coming up with that, of course, different lingo, but that first step is like asking a question, identifying a problem, coming up with a hypothesis. Of course, the research is involved. For sure. Like yeah. Apples to apples, we would get to the conduct an experience, experiment. But today what that means to me in marketing is executing a targeted campaign. Next step after you launch the experiment, you're making observations. Today, it's critical to be able to measure the data. I think it's almost even overused sometimes when we say like data-driven marketing, but quite factually, um, I mean, now I think when we get to that personalization level, it's talking to people, figuring out what resonates, knowing your customers. Um, And then of course, analyzing. And then that final step is optimizing. So you're constantly testing. I think you can't be successful. Like we can be as creative as we want, but I like to come out of the gate with multiple versions of things every time and just say, Hey, this is working a little better. Let's tweak it with, you know, little things and always making improvements. So I I am going back to that science theory quite often. I love that you brought up tweaking and making improvements because we have a lot of, maybe we have a lot of listeners that are maybe early on in their ABM journey. Right. And they're going through possibly what we refer to here is a crawl, walk, run phase. I mean, they'd be in the crawl space. 
for those early on, those listeners that are early on, Brooke, what are some, maybe some strategic and tactical steps that you would take in developing your initial version of an ABM journey? Yeah. So I've had the opportunity. I can't say I've ever quite been running, but I definitely have crawled and I feel like we're walking at a fast pace. I'm definitely, you know, in my previous role, I launched ABM. So mm-hmm. it's really focusing on kind of that fundamental alignment. I think a lot of us, because as marketers, we know how to do campaigns. We know how to send up nurture sequences. We know how to write emails. We know how. To, so I think it's kind of like taking a step back. That crawl is critical to make sure um, I think one of the hardest things people discover in ABM is you are truly a bridge to sales and marketing, right? Like I meet with my, my, my sales teams regularly, even the account executives who own those accounts. So I can figure out, you know, did they hang up on you? Did they, you know, I need to know all those things to help them along the way. And even before that, you need to do that crawl part to get the alignment, to figure out who are our accounts, who are those personas we want to be speaking to tell me what are the biggest objections you hear during that. So I feel like if you could go to that beginning alignment and it takes a while. I mean, I remember when I officially got that ABM title and was like, yes, we'll be doing ABM campaigns. And I think it it takes a solid six months to get your senior leadership and sales. You've got to build that team, right? So you still remain that quarterback, but you're, you're going to need executives sign off in, a, in agreement to kind of understand. So I would say like for me, what, what I did was created a plan, the 30, 60, 90 day. And you really look at all of those critical ABM pillars of here's where I want to be in the first 30 days. Like the goal will be just saying, here's, here's who will be involved in decision-making process. And then, you know, in 60 days, it'll be setting up how regular we're going to meet, signing off, like really baby steps, if you will. Not even like crawling. It's pre-crawling to get that stuff. And that's the toughest part. You're chomping at the bit to get out there. And, you know, I told you I have that wild creative side of me, which I love doing all those fun campaigns. But the boring part at first is the most critical because you can't Mm -hmm. jump in. You know, they say, and you're going to be thrown left and right into the world of, you know, we are the perfect prospects for people because they're sending all those marketing cool things to us because they know what resonates as a marketer, but there's lots of software out there now. And I think you, the first thing is kind of put on blinders and just do the, the, the baby steps, which is just figuring out your audience. You can pilot it with one salesperson. Once you guys get that alignment and see what works. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to focus on those early step things because it's not the fun part, but it's critical and it's hard. It's probably the hardest part to get through that alignment, but Yeah. I love it. You brought up a really good point, which is the sales and marketing alignment. I wanted to get an idea from you. This one might be deep, so don't be taken (laughs) off guard. But have you ever had a major challenge there in your journey as an ABM marketer? And how did you overcome that challenge driving sales and marketing alignment? Because that's what we hear a lot from our listeners on the podcast, but also folks in your shoes, right? That have, that have been boots on the ground. Absolutely. I think when I said, again, one of the, the pillars that you need to focus on is aligning on that exact, you know, focusing on ICP and your target account list. And, and that can be tough because as a salesperson, you might know there's a big opportunity dangling. There's that carrot hanging right in front of you and you want your marketing people to focus their budget on there. But because we're kind of relying on that data and we're, 
we're knowing who who's the best case scenario of people that are going to close. And naturally, that's where we're going to spend our focus, our efforts, our energy, and of course, budget, our dollars at the end of the day. Um, so a lot of times it's, it's difficult when, you know, the salespeople want to come up with a list, marketing people want to come up with a list, and then that magic is getting people aligned. You know, there's give and take. Just because they're not your ICP doesn't mean you can't sell to them. But what we try to do... We, we try to help steer the, the right target. So I think aligning on where to focus is one of the biggest hurdles that you'll find when you work so closely with salespeople. But again, building, like I said before, when you get that part, meeting with them constantly. I, I When I first piloted, the first person I worked with was a, the number one seller of the company. And when I was saying like, oh, let's send a personalized gift he was like, no, I'm going to call and make a sale. You know, like it was hard for him to realize to take a step back because even the process can be a little bit slower. And then sure. he now has his own. I mean, we like kicked off a, a cool hot take show and the first episode finally launched last month. And he he like is drinking from, he, he believes it now. He lives and breathes as much as I do to see how that how that's going to work. But getting to that point can be a struggle. Absolutely. Well, what we see a lot and what I've done previously in my own career, not to make it about me is you may have that rep in Atlanta that is an enterprise seller. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go after Coke, right? You know, just because of this territory and the data tells you otherwise to your point. So, right. Yeah, it's a fine balance of looking at data and then, you know, that's the, the crazy thing about the, the biggest difference. I keep talking about what's so similar about my science background, but the difference is when I go to an, a two-week OCHEM lab and I'm doing the measurements and the titrations and I'm using the exact amount, I know if I did it right, at the end, I'm going to walk in and there's going to be a beautiful crystal when I walk into the lab two weeks later. With humans, you never know, right? They can throw you a curveball. Emotions are, you know, at any point, things change um, with the weather. You know, if it's raining and cloudy out, people are going to be grouchy. So it's you, it's not a written recipe like it is in science, if you will. You have to expect the unexpected and be willing to kind of, you know, be agile, if I like to use more buzz, buzzwords. Kind Let's of get the buzzwords out. I love it. <laughs> yeah. In terms of your current position here at Matterport, Brooke, what does ABM look like there right now? What does your team look like? Give us the scoop on it or give us the reload down, if you will. I, I'm, I'm almost hesitant because I don't want like noobs to get jealous, but we have a team of four. So, okay. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, at first, most companies to even get people started with ABM, obviously, it's like, well, use the resources you have, use the salespeople you have, use the BDRs. You know, they're not going to hire a exclusive ABM AE or an exclusive inside sales are up to three. So you, you're using what you have. But now, well, Matterport's, I guess, unique because we have so many different verticals, right? So our products can be used, digital twins can be used in so many different ways. So we have the ability as a global company, we now have a, we just got a couple weeks ago, somebody in the EMEA region. So we have a European ABM because that's, again, when you start thinking about uh, personalization, you know, the way they view personalized gifting, you know, might look like bravery. There's lots of nuances. So this, we do have somebody regionally focused on ABM. And then we have my senior director that I report to. 
And I have a, a peer that we get to split. We have eight verticals actually that we work with, but her and I kind of split those. So her and I live, and you think about triangle of, you know, whether you're doing one-to-one or one-to-many, we kind of do a little bit, we don't separate in the sense that I'm doing just new logo one-to-one, right? Like we kind of live, we, we, we separate by vertical and we'll- That's what I was going to ask. Huh? That's what I was going to ask is because, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like, it sounds like industry-based marketing maybe as opposed yeah, to account. Yeah, but even then beyond that, so we have a pretty- I want to say sophisticated market that we're looking at, but we have like layers of the horizontals in between there. So you might be in retail, but you're focused building the store and that person is still in retail, but they're going to be in the manufacturing or the operate space or, you know, so we have layers and then beyond that, like segments of personas. So we still have a lot to do. I think I don't, didn't quite ever answer the, the, the crawl walk run. I said, we're walking at a fast pace, but if we can start, now that we have a team of four, which is like a, a year ago that I get to on a team of four, I was like, what? I've, I've made it in life. Like, yes, I'd be so excited because there's just so much to do. But uh, we are walking at a fast pace. And I think when I look at what run might look like, it would be having that unique, nuanced, personalized messaging for, you know, it could get pretty tricky when you're building like an Excel chart and then you have this column and this this row and adding what this person would say to this person, but that's what eventually I'd love to get to. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you for taking us under the hood at Matterport a little bit. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. It's so cool. That's insane. I, I obviously love it. I know. I can tell I, the, the energy <laughs> is <laughs> pulsating. It's great. Well, look, I think that's about time. I really enjoyed having you on today and thank you so much again for taking us under the hood at Matterport and your history and your expertise in ABM. I think there's a lot of value here that a lot of people grab grab out of it. So thanks for having coming on. Thanks bro. so much. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Let me know when you come on down to Nashville. Y'all come I on will. down. <laughs> <laughs> You're adopting. You're adopting it. I will. I will for sure. Great. You have thanks a good so day. Much. Okay. You too. Bye bye. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV. 